Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hello, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host, Joe Lou, and today I'm joined with my co-host, Pastor Lydia, who's the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And this week, we're talking about the winds of change. And as we can see that there is change taking place in the world, there's also change taking place in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the question that we're asking is, how can we have hope? Um, what is the intersection of hope and justice? And why is Jesus the answer um, for this? And I think it really all begins with the small changes, um, small, but also maybe difficult changes that uh, are being made in our lives and according to the work of the Holy Spirit that can really lead to making a ripple effect and change um, for this culture, for this world that we live in right now. And so I thought this conversation was very self-reflective and insightful. And, you know, we pray that the Holy Spirit would also convict you in the ways that he's working as well. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Today I record this broadcast on Juneteenth, a day of liberation recognized by the black community in the United States. It marks the day 150 years ago when in Gladyston, Texas, all across, enslaved African-Americans learned that they were set free by the emancipation 901 days afterwards. It is sobering for me to celebrate a day when justice was withheld for, for so long. And to think, even now, 2020, since 1863 and 1865 of Juneteenth, June 19th, that Black Lives Matter movement is at all controversial. After all, our brothers and sisters experiencing the African-American community, the statement Black Lives Matter isn't controversial. There, there's a movement saying that it's the minimum, and that's true. The Imago Dei, everyone regardless of color, is created in the image of God. This is the bare minimum. I do not want to live in a country where this is so prevalent. And this is why we're fighting for the soul of America, as Dr. King addressed in his I Have a Dream speech. And here today, I wonder, still, African-American brothers like Ahmaud Audrey being shot down when he's just jogging, or Eric Gardner unarmed being murdered, George Floyd, clearly black faces in high places as, as Cornel West talks about did not change 
equity, racial equity in America. And you know, to be honest, and to be absolutely honest with you, are we going to remember this death? Are we going to really change from this when it's been already 400 years? And there are many, those are cynical of the reality before us. Is there hope for change, for real change? Not as a hot take, not as just a moment in culture, because people have fought and protested the same way in 1963, 57 years since. And yes, we made some progress, but much work still is left to do. So where can we find that hope for change? And I think that's particularly important at this very moment, because we're really distracted by all the social hot takes. Yes, it's popular at the moment, but real change, as Dr. King once said, right? The arc of the moral universe is long, 400 years, but it always bends towards justice. Where is that anchor for justice, that bending, come from? Does it come from progressive ideas like communism, Marxism? What, what system gives us hope for change? Because we've seen human systems fail here. This American experiment in many ways is failing. And again, I come to you today as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and say that Jesus and the gospel is still the answer for racial strife and racial reconciliation and for the brokenness that is hovering and looming in this world now and for the future. And I want to give an apologetic for why Jesus is still the answer. 2,000 years ago and now. Johann Gottlieb 50, a German philosopher, once said this. And this is sand. You could not remove a single grain of sand from its place without thereby changing something throughout all parts of the immeasurable whole. And this parallels what is commonly known as the butterfly effect. Maybe some of you seen the movie with Ashton Kutcher. But the butterfly effect is a branch of chaos theory that says that there is a sensitive dependence on initial conditions in which a small change in one state in a deterministic nonlinear system can what? Result in a large difference later. That's why it's almost impossible to tell the weather. <laughs> I'm out here all the time in different parts of the day and in the week. It's so frustrating. Meteorologists telling you one thing and it never happens the same way. Why? Because the future has a very delicate, it depends on the initial conditions and the initial conditions change all the time. And that's the, really the physics and the science of change. Trying to tell the weather is like trying to predict the future, which is virtually impossible because the variances are so slight. And it says that a metaphor for this behavior 
by Edward Lawrence, MIT professor, who is the father of atmospheric science, says this. A metaphor of this behavior is that a butterfly flapping its wings in China can cause a hurricane in Texas. The initial conditions is that sensitive. Slight variance can change everything. And that's why we can have hope. The future is, not, is yet to be determined. And this is exactly what the wind of the Spirit starts to accelerate in Pentecost. The Spirit descending like a dove in Jerusalem with healing in His wings, releasing the wind of change from Jerusalem to all the nations. And that's why we want to know the answer. Why is the Gospel? Why is Jesus still the answer for the world today in darkness at a precipice of social unrest and perhaps the greatest racial stripe in recent memory. Let's turn to the scriptures and come back and answer this together. Amen. Today's scripture is from Acts chapter 3 verses 11 to 16. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if, by our own power of godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. In the beginning, we asked a question, why is Jesus still the answer for the world today? During a precipice of social unrest, so much racial strife, and so much of the world being in a capricious and precarious state. Why is Jesus still the answer? First lesson we learn in this passage about the narrative of the healing of the invalid and the lame man is that because in Christ the author of all creation makes all things new again. Look at verse 15 what Apostle John and Peter say to the people that witnessed the healing, and they say this, you killed the author of life. And they're referring to the past events of the crucifixion because these are Jewish leaders and Jewish rulers, right? And they were there, many of them at the crucifixion. They did not want to accept Jesus as their Messiah. So they're talking about an inverse of life, death. Now check the contrast, and it says in verse 15, But you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, his name, this man whom you see now was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. As you can see, there is this interconnectedness, interplay, and confluence between death 
in life. And it takes back the origin of who Jesus really is. Who is Jesus? The Father, Son, and Spirit preeminently were God as a fellowship, an eternal community of love. If you want to heal the world, you got to take it default mode. you got to go back and reset to whatever factory, whatever manufacturer created something. In here, if you look at the systems in place, right, the man, the invalid, was living in a system and born lame. And people just did what they could in that system. He was just begging. But Jesus, the author of our creation, heals him. And heals him, it says, if you keep reading to the end, he completely whole. Not just his body, but completely makes him whole. His whole being whole. See, Jesus is the author of all creation along with the Father. And John 1.1 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, the Lagos, who is Jesus. And he was with God in the beginning. So, let's talk about the problems we have today in our world. Racial strife. And, and I said this many weeks. If we focus on racism, injustice, inequity, and we keep focusing on these things as the root, we're going to repeat history as we have been for the last 400 years. 57 years since civil rights movement. And we can count the many other protests and injustices since then. We have to go back and really reset. The only person that can reset is the Creator Himself. <laughs> I remember in my own life, there's, there's members in our community that um, helped me fix my iPhone. They shall not be named, but they said, I can fix it. You know, I cracked my screen. They would replace, they said they could get a screen for me. And, you know, I, I tried this many times and um, they fixed my phone, but something. <laughs> it's always a little bit off. And I would say, hey, the button's not really working. And they'd be like, no, you just need to press it. And they would be in denial that there was a flaw. And that's when I learned that Apple Care is worth it. Take it back to the manufacturer. Take it back to the factory. If you want a complete reset, you have to go back to the manufacturer. You have to go back to the creator. And that's why it's so powerful to that adjective, the author of life. Jesus is the author of life. He is recreating creation. See, the Christian story is the only story where the Creator recreates and renew all things. And He can do this in our time. And that's why we must look up not within, not to a system. We talked about Marxism the last couple of weeks or other utopian ideas of more equal, equitable world that, that will not happen. You see, democracy is not a perfect system, but it works. Just this week, DACA, the Supreme Court blocked Trump's administration's, you know, of termination of DACA using logic checks and balances. Why? Because 
The founders of the constitutions in this country knew that men are corrupt. Because that's why there are checks and balances, three branches of government continuing to check each other. The only person that can change this moment is Jesus. Only his love in you and through you can bring healing. As the Spirit began in Pentecost. Just this few weeks ago, as, as George Floyd's murder happened on IG, there was a comment by a young white man that said, and it really encouraged me in one of our posts. He said, I really needed this today. Today, I'm no longer going to be a Republican or a conservative. A conservative. I'm going to be a Christian. And that's so important for us followers of Christ at this moment, tempted by different ideas and philosophies that seem tempting apart from the Christian faith. We need to come back to the Creator. The Creator is restoring all things. You see, and we could get so easily distracted by hot takes and movements even. But what does John 15 say? John 15 says that without Christ, apart from Christ, we can't accomplish anything. All we'll end up doing is do, 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 do. We'll just end up creating a bigger mess. So I pray the Holy Spirit would remind you that God is already at work. Look at the beautiful sky. Look at this beautiful world he's created. He is restoring all creation. And he's asking you to join him. Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, For this cause I have come. There's no new vision. We're joining him to restore the beauty not things. And Jesus is asking you to pay attention to what he is doing and join him. So rather than starting something completely different, go back to the answer. Because Christ, the author of all creation, is still making things new. So I pray the Spirit of God will help you see and join Him to bring healing in this world. Amen. So in the beginning we said, why is Jesus still the answer for the world today? Why is the Christian story the answer? First we said, because in Christ, the author of all creation is still making all things new. Second, because in his name, the power of healing flows from our hands. A lot of times, a lot of us feel restless and even helpless. What power do we have, really? The wheel of injustice has been spinning and spinning for millennia. Slavery is still alive today in different forms. It's nefarious and insidious. That is ubiquitous. The human being who, are, who runs on self-interest always create inequality. And that's why, if we really want power, power to make a difference, 
the whole idea of the butterfly effect. If a butterfly flapping its wings can cause a hurricane in China, that just slight variance, then what can the wind of the Spirit do if we were to partner with the Spirit of God? Look at this text very clearly. It says in verse 11, and I think the first line of that is very powerful. While the man held onto Peter and John. Read that again. While the man, in some versions, says clung onto Peter and John. Yes, how did the healing happen? The power was from Jesus. But that power had to flow through their hand. They laid hands on the man that was laid. So the confluence of God's power in their hand is in what inseparable. So you want power? Not power that's just visible for the moment, not just a post. And those are important to voice, you know, your your heart and intentions. But if you want real power, the power that resurrected Christ from the dead, the power that healed this lame man walk, that power is available to you right now. Enemy in the name of Jesus. That's why Jesus is still the answer. That's why the gospel is still the good news today. That interplay between God's power in our hands is still available. And a lot of times, <laughs> through this week and through the pandemic, I have been struggling so much, burnt out. Last week was the first time I had a break. The pressure of being there for all of you, I put on myself. Maybe you didn't, you didn't even put it on me, but I wanted to be there, you know. Some people have told me that from the hospital, they would go out and just watch my, my wife and I. And they would cry and be reassured that God was with them, representing Him. And representing God sometimes does have a lot of pressure. And sometimes when I come out here, the weather, talk about the butterfly effect. That's why it was impossible to tell the weather. Because the future is very hard to predict. But God uses me and the power comes out from me to you. Week in, week out, the Holy Spirit moving. There's stories of healing. Not because I'm special, but because Jesus is special. He's, Jesus' power is special. God can use you in me. So the first thing we, we said was pay attention. Now, what do we have to do? We have to take some risks. When is the last time, even though we didn't feel it, there's going to be spiritual warfare all the time. When's the last time we stopped and really risked for God? Because Peter and John, did they know that this man was going to be healed? We don't know. The text doesn't give us that answer. But we know they had courage. They knew that in their hands, in the name of Jesus, power could come. It's called the possibility to change the future. Small variances in chaos theory and butterfly effect show us very clearly change is possible. Do you believe that for real? Do you believe you? Not Mother Teresa, not Billy Graham, not some spiritual giant, but you who have Christ in you, living in you, and the power available in you. 
could, in the name of Jesus, bring healing to your friends, to your neighbors, to this culture. Yes, yes, yes. That's what the Spirit of God began descending like a dove in Jerusalem to bring the winds of change and, and healing in His wings. And He is inviting you today, as He's inviting me, to be broken jars of clay, to carry the treasure of Christ, to represent Him. So when you feel powerless, know that our weakness is made perfect, right? His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I ask you to pray for me because it's been really rough with so many things happening. And I'm not whining or crying, but I need His power. So do you, so does this world. And it comes through jars of clay, broken vessels like me and you. So today, as we close today, will you pray for the Spirit of God to bring the winds of change? And I pray that as the Spirit of God, descending like a dove, as He flaps His wings, the winds of change, healing in His wings, would be perpetuated to all the people in our lives. And it would be the answer at this very moment for people to be empowered to represent the love of God. That you, right now at this moment, would take a risk. Pray. Do something in Jesus' name. And pay attention to how He might be leading you. Because He is still the answer today. Amen. To me, I feel like this sermon just hits the nail on the head, like directly, uh, as far as what's going on with our world uh, in regards to the pandemic and the racial strife that's just been all over our country and even the world right now. Um, I, I particularly felt like this sermon resonated a lot with me as a believer who's trying to uh, step into taking the risks needed for the sake of the gospel so that people can hear. But um, you know, I think it was very poignant that Dr. Sammy addressed the fact that like in a world that is so confusing right now and without a lot of answers and, you know, we don't really even know where to draw our sources or to who to trust anymore, really, uh, why Jesus is the answer. And I, I think one of the takeaways for me was that it's not just that Jesus is the answer for us, but we know that Jesus is the answer for the world and the hope of the world. and. Um, yeah. yeah, so for me, I just wanted to, I guess, start with, you know, I think what Dr. Sammy brought up was that a lot of us in this moment might feel a lot of restlessness and a lot of seeming helplessness. Like there's like, what can we really do to take action or what can we really do to mobilize an effort that advances the gospel and also um, tries to address the things that like the sin and the evil that is really overtaking our world right now. And I guess like I personally have a lot of anxiety about it because, you know, I find myself having the trouble of stepping out and, you know, really putting out the answer, what I believe to be the answer for this world and such like that. And I guess I wanted to open up the conversation there um, because I'm sure a lot of people resonated with what Dr. Samuel was saying in regards to that, you know, like, what can we do to address 
the things that are going on in this world and you know how can we like talk about who jesus is and talk about what jesus represents um and represent it ourselves so that the world can know the answers uh to like all the confusing things around us you know um i think there's another perspective about the what is it the sentiment of this time that we're in that it is not just restlessness um in the country and even globally from the exposure of what happened to George Floyd um, and others, but it is actually, some, some have actually said um, other, others who African-American leaders in the faith have also said that it is actually an exciting time because for the first time, what is clear to them and what is a reality for them in the not so safe world that they live in every day that they prepare to live in each day um, because of their color um, for the first time it's being exposed to others and the com this comfort is now being felt all across the board because of color you know Mm -hmm. um, it's the first time that in a long time where um, white people are feeling um, there's a sense of uh, understanding that because I am white, where do I stand? Like there's a discomfort in being white right now. There's mm -hmm. a discomfort to everyone. There's a tension that, you know, that has come to kind of wake up people to the reality that our black African, you know, black brothers and sisters live in. And I think that part of the solution or part of the effort is in continuing the conversation so that it doesn't just die out and um, get drowned out by, I guess, other subjects, because this is, this is so long overdue, right? Justice in this area is so right. long overdue. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that I think there is another perspective of that. I think it is new for us, but not new for others. And, you know, when I talk to, actually, when I talk to, um, you know, black brothers and sisters of mine, to them, it's like, oh, so how are you doing? And they'll answer me like, oh, but this has been going on. Like, this is not new to me. You know, actually, that's what people say. This is not new to me. It's just that now the world knows about it because now the world actually cares because of what what actually was exposed to them. Mm. And so I think um, I thought, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that we're being woke <laughs> in that reality. I know, woke, the, I don't know so much that's not really me but like yeah but you understand what i'm saying like we're finally being awakened to um the injustice that we don't actually have to live in every day um for the sake of our black uh brothers and sisters in this country mm. so i think there is that perspective that it's actually a great time of movement and change 
Mm. Uh, hence the title Winds of Change. God is definitely up to something. And there's so much love for, um, you know, our black brothers and sisters that are, I think, in ways being comforted, but also heartbroken because this is still going on. And change is so difficult, you know, in the systemic um, level to, I think, you know, even just in different communities, like neighborhoods, like it's, it's so prevalent, right? But I think I, I've been really thinking about this. And I know that this message is not just about the racial tension or the racial unrest, but it is, it actually is about all brokenness in the world because the world is pretty darn broken. Yeah. Um, the system is pretty broken. But I think people are asking the question, what can I do? Right. And it could seem black and white. Well, then go to the protest, do this, do that. But I think the, um, the message anchors us back to acknowledging and also um, the, acknowledging the source of our hope so that what we do is not just kind of just doing something for the sake of, you know, being in this hour. And that's, that's great in some ways, but to really make an impact and that it only comes from really the author of creation, the mm. one who is at work making, you know, renewing all things, uh, making all things beautiful in time. It's a long process. It really is. But this is an awakening hour in many ways. So, yeah. I think that I just wanted to share that sentiment of, I guess, my own thoughts on 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 it thus far. Mm. I see. So I know that, like, the I guess uh, prolific civil rights movement of our modern era, and like, for me, what it does is that it brings to light the fact that, like, perhaps. I also need to act. And it comes from this place of seeing that there is this broken system and a broken world in front of us and being brought that awareness to want to do something, I think is exactly right in the way that you're describing it. Um, but I guess like one of the things I wanted to uh, just hone in on with what you brought up is that like action or taking action during this time, you know, doesn't always look like just right off the bat going to a protest and you know marching and such like that but you know there are other ways in which that we can contribute or like dr samuel was saying these are some of the small adjustments and variances in our lives that you know as believers and as followers that the holy spirit is kind of awakening us to so that we can also ride along with that right and i guess i wanted to ask like you know what can, could you describe a little bit about what that might look like or what it means to, I guess, observe the work of the Spirit and the small changes that he's making um, in our lives today? Yeah. Well, you know, the Spirit never works on a worldly system. It, the Holy Spirit works according to the will of God and the ways of God. And his thoughts and plans are higher than ours. The Bible says that. And it's true. And 
oftentimes I think that when we look at situations, um, you know, and we wonder what can we do if, I guess at the minimum, what can we do? Mm. Um, a lot of times we see what's explicit and we feel that's what we need to do. But the Holy Spirit is also very wise in the way that he operates. He understands many things that we would not account for. You know, I think a lot of times we approach things very black and white. Mm. But for example, you know, um, there's a pastor in Brooklyn by the name of A.R. Bernard, Dr. A.R. Bernard, and he is a pastor of Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn campus. And, you know, he said something, and and let me just say this, like, this is what I'm learning. Like, there are things that we can know about history, but there are things that we can't take authority in. Like, there are matters we can't take authority in because, well, I think this is about the voices of like we can't tell we cannot tell a black person what racism is like per se because racism yes like i know that we're predominantly asian in many ways but racism for asians is very different for um, sisters and brothers in this country because of slavery so for example like i think we have to understand that the authority I'm not talking about authority in Christ, right? But authority of taking like a paternal role in the matter of what's happening in Black Lives Matter as a statement, not not, not necessarily just as an organization, because I think there's like controversy about that, but Black Lives Matter and it's true. So I think there are things we cannot do. And I think knowing what some of us, and I don't, I'm not speaking for all because I know that our listeners vary in different ethnicity and race and all that. But I think it's important to understand what we cannot do. And I would even say what we should not do. And there are things that we can do. And um, I think understanding um, through the spirit how he's orchestrating and how he's working around us, um, understanding that is also helpful. Like, um, you know, there was a conversation, for example, recently um, with a well-respected, a really respectful, godly man, Louis Giglio. He's the pastor of Passion Church, and he was having a discussion with, I believe, Lecrae, the rapper. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the other person in the panel was the owner of Chick-fil-A, maybe? I'm not really sure. I wasn't really listening to the full conversation, but the... I guess the portion of the conversation that became very controversial. Did you hear about that? No, I actually haven't heard about this. Okay. So Louis Giglio, let me just say, he's a great man of God, but he is a white man of God. Okay. And we all know Lecrae is black. And in a conversation and trying to frame uh, racism in a spiritual context with the gospel, uh, Pastor Louis Giglio had some had said something like he compared white privilege as white blessing. His intention was to say that black we have to acknowledge white privilege because as a result of the slavery and the oppression that black people have gone through in history, that white people are living in that blessing. But 
when he said that, I heard Lecrae was like a deer caught in a headlight, like this is happening, mm. you know, and it was very offensive. And actually, you know, Louis Giggly apologized for what he said. But um, Dr. Era Bernard actually speaks on that. Actually, many leaders spoke on that. Many black leaders spoke on that. Um, just kind of just referring to the conversation I heard him speak about talking about that that incident but he basically said that there are things that yes be informed about what's happening and speak on it as evangelicals as white evangelicals but you can never take a paternal role and tell a black man such as lecrae or to the black listeners what racism is you know by trying to frame it and he compared it to just like the curse of sin and um, he completed com and the blessing of you know salvation in Christ or something like that to kind of make a spiritual point. But, you know, and Louis Giglio is a great man. He apologized, but I think he has to take responsibility. And A.R. Bernard says that, like, as a white man, he definitely shouldn't have said that. And I know that many will probably learn from that mistake. but. He says, don't take a paternal role in this issue, in this issue, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there are things for sure, like um, to certain things that black leaders could only really speak in first person. And I think others that are not black from that origin of oppression could only be informed and speak to inform or to share platform to inform others through black voices. I mean, that's just like on the practical level, yeah. right? And then it doesn't get so confused, like as if, you know, like certain people who speak the gospel have some right or authority on the issue because they have the authority at the pulpit. Like, I think that's really important to acknowledge in this time. Mm. Um, but yeah, but I think those things are happening. I think people are learning through mistakes. And he was really sorry. He, he apologized humbly. Really, really, I you, you know he's sorry. But it kind of just shows that um, there's a long way to learn at what's okay, what's not okay. And this is not at all political correctness. But it's just really about understanding what we're dealing with in terms of this, you know, the injustice of Black Lives Matter issue, you know? Right. I think for me, like listening to that, I was also thinking, because I realized I don't really know much either. And I always felt that, but the situation at hand that's being exposed to us right in front of our face, I think um, is definitely pushing me to understand better to know history, to understand what it exactly is the fight, you know? Mm. And even with Juneteenth um, that just passed, like, honestly, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't understand what Juneteenth was. Mm. And I actually had to study and um, I had to research and study, like, and so that I could explain it to Josh, who's seven, you know? Right. And... Mm. So I think there's definitely wisdom. Um, the wisdom comes from the spirit. You mm. know, when we are aligned to Christ, it's not about not, it's not about silence, but it's about understanding 
what is practical, what is helpful. Um, uh, Ephesians 4, 29 says that when you speak, don't let any unwholesome come out of your words come out of your mouth, but speak so that people who are listening to you and around you can benefit from what you're saying. So I think that definitely in asking God, what can we do? I think there is the aspect of understanding the times, understanding our place, um, you know, and that goes for all, all, all across the board, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of understanding what it is that God is doing and stepping in as a result, you know, mm -hmm. so. And what I'm learning is, and I'm talking, uh, I was going to say one more thing. And what I'm learning is that small gesture, small actions is actually very significant as well. Mm. Like educating my own son, because in his school system, not once did they speak. He goes to a predominantly white school in New mm. York, and not once did they speak to him about what was happening? And I understand there's the protection part. There's, you know, you don't want to bring up conflict, but this is kind of important, right. you know, and not one they mention it to him. And so I had to literally initiate a conversation with him about what Juneteenth was. Right. And when I initially told him what Juneteenth was, he said, oh, okay, so it's a celebration for black people. That's great. He's a huge, like, lover of, like, black culture. Mm -hmm. it, but, and then I, and then um, a few hours after, I stopped him again. And then I said, because you kind of have to tell it in dosage because it's very horrific. Right. And then I said, do you know why? Do you know what slavery is? And I explained to him what slavery is. And he was appalled. Like, he was appalled. It was kind of like... He, he, at first he thought, he said to me, like, yeah, it's when um, white people took advantage of black people, right? Yeah. And then I said, yes, but they took them from a country that was of their own and they sold them to people and they made them work and they did not pay them and they treated them like basically like a uh, robot, like a vacuum cleaner, you know, like they treated them not like human beings and they never paid them. And um, that's what slavery is. And Josh was shocked. Like, he was like, what? Wow. So, but that goes a long way. You know, I think conversations at home goes mm -hmm. a long way. Learning ourselves, admitting we don't know much. You know, I'm not a history buff. Um, I actually have to research and read over and over again to actually understand like the, cons you know, like the consecutive events that happened, which meant this and that, like, but I think that that's also something we can do to understand, right. but you, how could you really understand and help anyone if you don't know, understand anyone's story. Right. And that's not just with this issue, but that's just in the human issue. You can't help anyone if you don't care about their story. So I think understanding people's story is also a significant part of what we can do right. is the beginning. Right, because the listening aspect is not in action per se, but it is. And I guess this brings me to the crux of the sermon is that like, it's, it's these small steps that people take or whether it's 
educating Josh about slavery or awareness of slavery. And it's like these small things, uh, which I'm glad you brought up, that is that variance, that slight adjustment that can be that large change in the future, right? Like that is kind of what Dr. Sammy was touching on in his sermon, I think, is that, you know, it's like the smallest adjustments, the smallest uh, change in at some point can eventually lead to some great change or some transformation or great new thing. And it's like, I think what I'm getting from this part of the conversation is that like even the aspects of attuning yourself to the culture and even attuning yourself to what the Holy Spirit is doing are some of those ways we can implement. A, like what I get is like, you know, cause in the gospel it says, you know, Christ comes to renew and like the gospel renews your mind and stuff like that. And so it, it seems like it's that process of the beginnings of renewal. Yeah. It's yeah. Beginnings of renewal. You know, and I think that a lot of times we think about making such a big impact that we, you know, and Pete's talked about this last week, but like we think about making such a big impact that we actually negate ourselves from doing anything. And we end up in the whole omission cycle. But I think there's a process to being activated uh, more and more. Um, it could seem like a slow process, but I think that any desire to live for justice and to walk humbly with God, I think there's a beginnings and a starting point. And, you know, it's kind of like a message, several message back, even before all this began to, um, to be surfaced, right, is that you have to start somewhere to recognize a beginning point of how you will represent Christ, how you will evangelize in this time. It seems humble, but it's not it's not insignificant. It is actually very powerful if you think about it. Which is like the butterfly effect, right. right? Yeah. You know, let me tell you something. Like there are people in our community, like this one family, this mom in her community, she actually took her two year old and her almost two year old with and put on the sign that says Black Lives Matter, and they actually went and protested in Long wow. Island. And you would think like, oh, what do children know? But you know what? They might not know, but they experienced, they showed up. Like I always tell them like, you're so mm. brave, you know? You're such an activist, like you never miss real time. And I always like commend her for that. But even in this situation, she didn't want to miss it. Like for some, others are trying to educate mm. themselves and to understand people's stories, you know? And I think that spiritual gifts also work in this way as well but like this you know um this person in her church like she's like an activist at heart like she doesn't just try to console you and sit there for hours talking to you but she's all about action and here we are like and this is how she's she um evangelizes you know in community and comforts others encourages others edifies the body that way because that's kind of how god has built her and given her these spiritual gifts and of course, you know, she takes her children. I said, what are you doing? She's like, um, we're just making signs, Black Lives Matter, to go protest. And so she took our two kids and she protested. And um, and you know that the kids will know, I, you know, like they will know exactly which 
on which side of history that their family stood on. You know what I mean? And that's important. That will be a ripple effect of change, that this is not okay. They will remember that. And they will know. They will have a very different beginning point of justice, right. you know, and which side that stands on. Mm. He stands always on the side of restoring people to be loved and valued in the image of God. So there she goes, like she did that, you know, and we have others that protested and active, you know, activism, like in solidarity, they stood to be part of the number to say, because I mean, we could all say, well, I didn't feel led to go there. And we could all say that. And then if the whole world said that, <laughs> like if you don't show up to a birthday party because you just wanted to write yeah. a card, <laughs> that'd be bad, right? But so some show up, I and I really believe that Holy Spirit will really direct people in, when people are really willing to make that small gesture, and it'll be very, mm. very significant. Yeah, I guess I'm just wondering because that that is, I think that's a very important thing that you brought up is that like you know these small things i mean i'm not not to say that what uh this member in a community has done is small but you know it's like i guess even for like a child to be exposed to like the right. to like uh-huh. some advent or part in history that like can forever or like perpetually like change the trajectory of their lives is like i guess a, a really important because like I, th- I guess it's like these small decisions that we make or these small inklings or convictions that we have are those like pieces small pieces that you know come together to ultimately change or transform your trajectory right like completely changes the direction of who you're going to become yeah because if christ is really our hope and we know who he is and we know what he is for and what he's up to that he is wanting to restore people to himself. He is wanting to restore the world through the people who have experienced him. Like the second point of the message, that the power of God went through the hands of right. the disciples. You know, that it does not just, God's power doesn't just work through a vacuum, but he uses the people of God. And hence, we're called the body of Christ, the hands and the feet of Christ. So, <laughs> yeah, because it could seem so small, but it's actually very, very important and monumental in our uh, development. I think whether it's spiritual development or in terms of our character development, like, and I think I can't escape the the feeling and the thought that you know these changes and these ripple effects we're feeling today is from even the presence of Jesus two thousand years ago, like. Jesus being inserted into our world during that time is causing this ripple effect that we as believers and followers can catch on and like also adjust and make small changes in order to like, I guess, continue along the waves that Jesus created. Right. And I guess like, I'm, I'm just wondering to the point that, you know, it's our hands that it's through our hands and with, uh, partnership with God and the work of the Holy Spirit that we can bring healing um, and we can, you know, partake in restoring beauty and restoring the restoring creation like Jesus uh, envisions. And I guess it's like, and I know we kind of touched on this already, but one of the questions I wanted to ask was like, how do we, 
catch these small changes or like how do we like know to uh i guess be aware or grow awareness for these small changes and like allow them to uh alter the trajectory of our lives and transform us what do you mean by changes that will allow and alter the trajectory like for example what, well i guess what, what i'm thinking to? is that like if it wasn't for um this cultural outcry of you know racial strife and racial injustice in uh our world today it's it's like the awareness for me to want to do something or like to feel like um you know i could play a part or that i could do something not specifically but you know as an example it, you know stirred up and i guess it's like it could be the case that some people like some of us might miss it right but yeah so i guess i was just asking like how can we catch on to the work and the wind of the spirit in this sense mm -hmm. what was the second point of our message how it was, was it phrased exactly because in his name the power of healing flows from our hands yeah so i think before we think about how do we become aware of the things that we can do and um, how it would alter things around in this world. I think we have to come mm -hmm. back to the source of our hope. Um, we have to come back and acknowledge in the name of Jesus Christ. And I think that's important because, you know, you said just, you just said, Joe, you know, or we could miss what's happening yeah. and not do something. Right. But like, the gospel is not just on this issue, but the gospel has been powerful to affect the world in every, every possible way to save every lives and um, restoring every soul. And that's the heart of God that all will come and, you yeah. know, be saved. But I think that in the name of Jesus is important because yeah, people will miss out on this, but I want to even go back further into the past. Christians have been missing out on every opportunity possible um, that's there. I think we have to talk about the om omission of in the name of Jesus, actually knowing the source of hope and stepping out as a Christ follower, not as an activist first, but mm -hmm. as a Christ follower, you know, doing good, not because you're some kind of, you know, kind person, but because you believe that real hope of the world is in Christ, you know, that systemic change, um, you know, Sam preached two weeks ago, he said that um, any perfect system would be mm -hmm. ruined because you would be part of it. Right, you and I were part of him. We would ruin it. Like he said this in other messages, where he said, "There's no perfect community because any good community, you would go there, even if it's perfect, you would go, and I would go, and we would ruin it." But the, I think we have to talk about how when we omit the work of Christ and the mm -hmm. very source of hope for our um, for salvation and for restoration in this world. Um, we will miss just like um, we missed in the past. We will miss in the present. We will miss the future. So I think that we have to reclaim our identity as Christians first. 
and Christ followers first. I don't even like the word Christian. I think Christ、mm. followers first. People, we are people who follow Christ because we have experienced the power of Christ, and that's why we believe that the power of Christ can also heal others and heal the broken world. You know, I think that. That is, I think, oftentimes we kind of just fly by that, you know. But if we really want to make an impact, a butterfly impact, butterfly effect of change, we have to acknowledge that we are Christ followers first. I think for too long it has been almost at the end of humanism. I think a lot of Christians. It could almost sound like we are good and、mm. we are humanistic, and we believe in the good of all mankind. When actually, the gospel is the exact opposite of that. We do not believe in the good of all mankind. We only believe in the good of mankind restored by Christ, being sanctified by Christ because of who Christ is and what He has done on the cross, the work and the price that He has paid. Because、yeah. we are not good, you know, and I think that as Christ followers, we have to know our first、mm. message first, because、um, we're so flee from it, you know. So, and I'm talking about the person of Christ. I'm not talking about the right wing, the left wing, and how culture portrays him and all this polarization. But really, who Christ is,、yeah. um, according to Scripture, according to、yeah. history. That's a.、Uh... Wow, because like that is such an important point. I think it speaks to my life right now. Also, is that like it really begins by you know, and I think this is like one of the things that I caught on for myself with the sermon is that like maybe for me it's not like it really starts with that small adjustment. Even though it's not small, it's a very significant adjustment. To really place in the like, like really place a firm foundation of belief that Christ is the answer and the hope of the world, right? It's like if it doesn't really begin there, then it's like then th- there is going to be some kind of skew in terms of the action, right? Because it's like if we don't start with the author of all creation and you know you know found our actions beginning with that small. Uh, shift and adjustment, whether it's like in our attitude or perspective, it's like it it will, we like we will miss what God is doing in terms of re- restoring the world and restoring humanity. Yeah, for sure. Because I think you know Christians are so、mm-hmm. good at divorcing the world from my faith. You know, like when people become Christ followers, they accept Christ. You know, you want to tell the world, but then after a while, you realize. The world's not all that interested, per se, you know, in the way in the way that you are excited about it. So slowly, you become more Christian and Christianese, and you know, you kind of go and get into the Christian, you know, Christian context subculture. And before you know it, you know, I think studies show that、um, the longer you've been Christian, the less non-believer friends that you have. And I think we have a way of kind of cocooning ourselves. To be a better Christian in the world, but and we end up divorcing the outside world, and as a result, even when we, and this is like a, there's a layer of unawareness, I think, and this I really、mm. believe that we have to break through as believers 
followers in Christ in the name of Jesus. Like it's meant to be declared and you know, it's meant to be used to take authority as Christ has given us, the same authority that he had as his children. But I think what happens is, you know, things get really like you have things written on, you know, house decor, you have nice lingos that make sense to you as a Christ follower. Like for example, like, you know, if we say um, I don't know, like there's so many nice phrases that's kind of taken from scripture and you say it and it's uplifting, but we as Christ followers are not only supposed to understand that to inspire ourselves, right? But we're, as Christ followers, we're, we're supposed to make that understandable mm -hmm. to others, you know? I guess I'll give an example, like it could be a little vague. Like um, I kind of uh, joked around with one of the sisters in our church. There was a, uh, when the pandemic began, Dr. Sammy gave a message on look up. Mm. Don't look within, but look up, right? And I think it was a point was look up to God. And that's clear to us. And that's clear in the context of the message. But, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> she hears it. She's going to, she'll know. Okay. But, uh, you know, she's been writing in these beautiful pictures. And actually, she's not the only one, but like, look up, look up, look up, you know. And I actually texted her one day. I said, you mean look up to Christ, right? And then she said, yes, exactly. But I only use that as an example because, you know, you could say look up, look up. And then after a while, if you keep saying look up, look up, and I'm not really just trying to call her out or anything okay but i think we all do this we say these nice things that are of the origin of christ it comes from christ it comes from his word it comes from his salvation but we kind of coin things and we say things without all um we say things yeah. omitting the name of jesus and after a while it just becomes a very nice hallmark card you know what isn't it just pleasant? It's beautiful. So I think that, um, you know, this is just what is to be a Christian. But I think God is gracious to give us the gift of prophecy and the spirit of prophecy to mm -hmm. illuminate things that are at hand. And I believe that prophetically God is calling the community of um, his community to take that next step of making it clear who are you looking up to you know who are you yeah. turning to you know so i guess like a very practical application would be like look up to god i mean that's easy to say too but like look up to christ and begin to it's like that small step like a lot of people go i don't really know how to do that like i'm not good with my words i'm not good at like you know and people say that about you know, this whole racial issue too. But there's a small beginning point of learning how to, you know, and stepping out. And those small steps that you you would take to learn how to step out in discomfort and just to, to declare in the name of Jesus, to declare who you're looking up to, to, so that it's not just pretty, so it's not just beautiful to see or inspiring or maybe make people wonder but 
really let people know who you're looking up to so that、mm. others could find the way too. So others could be encouraged who may not know Christ, you know? And I think that adding in of in the name of Jesus, look up to Christ. I think those, even those steps, it just sounds so petty, you know? And the enemy's like, oh, come on. You know, like it's not,、yeah. you could kind of get there. That's fine. Like, you know, why are you nitpicking? But you know what? I think the enemy does that and m a k e us feel petty. But the scripture is very clear about、mm. taking authority in the name of Jesus, you know, and declaring in the name of Jesus, I tell you to get up and walk. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will be healed. In the name of Jesus, You know, I come to you not because of my own greatness, but really because let me tell you what Christ has done in me and who Christ really is. Like all the things we've、mm. been omitting out of discomfort and lack of popularity, I think God is calling us to rise up and、mm. to be Christ followers first. Because if that source is unclear to us, it will be unclear to the world. And if it is unclear to the world, well, the mandate of the gospel is so that we make it clear to others, so that others are not confused when they want to turn to Him, you know? So I do feel that prophetic call, and I do believe that all across the board,、um, We need the power of Christ for change. And this is not about a rally of, you know, screaming out, you know, who God is, you know, but in love, approaching things to know that our hope is in Christ, to let the world know so that they could also find Him. You know, so I, I just think it's just a small thing, but I believe that it could have a butterfly. Rippling、right. effect of significant change. Right. Outside of this community. It could really make the difference because, you know, I guess in the first example, without the name of Jesus, it's almost like we're robbing or like reducing the power of Christ's name from, I guess, whatever sphere of influence or whoever we could impact. Like we're not really invoking the power of God if we're excluding. God, and if we're excluding Jesus from the picture, it's like there's there's no avenue or pathway through which God can work through us if we're omitting and I guess implying God more so than, you know, explicitly declaring God. Because then that, that implication can just kind of be missed, or it is almost on the humanistic spectrum. Yeah, and I don't think that intent is to be humanistic or to. Um, you know, to, I think that a lot of times I think the intention is good in that it is a form of evangelism. It is a form of kind of letting people, you know, I don't look down, but I look up or, you know, have hope. I have hope, you know, like I'm hopeful. Like I think actually the intention is so that people will become more hopeful or people will not. Be oppressed or that people will be uplifted and in hopes of people finding God because we know that hope comes from、yeah. God, you know. And I want to kind of just like stay away from that whole like 
because if the person hears, I don't want them to feel accused. This is not at all. It's just a great example of what we all do. But can you imagine, um, it's such a, out of great intention, you make Mm -hmm. it chewable, right? But it has nutrition per se. Like you give someone, because they're hungry, you give them like, you know, nice chocolate bar. You give them Snickers and they say it's great to, you know, my husband always yeah. looks for a Snicker bar when he's super, super hungry. He'll like stop at a gas station and he knows lunch is two hours away and he's starving. He'll have a Snicker bar. Kids will always say, oh, that's going to come back with a Snicker bar watch, you know. <laughs> but in the end, though, like, is a Snicker bar really going to give you nutrition to actually get a good meal in that will supply you with the strength. Yeah. No, it'll get you by. It's nice. It's sweet. But I think a lot of times that's what we do out of good intention. But also there's a sliver of omission because of fear that it might be misconstrued. You know, and we put the responsibility on non-believers to figure it out. Like, oh, okay, if I say there is hope, They'll, they'll know. And we do this, I think, a lot. Like, a lot of people do this. Like, I know I do this too. We have these conversations in our heads. Like, if I write, there is hope, they'll say, Oh, why are you so hopeful? And it plays out really well in your mind. And they'll ask me and I'll tell them, Oh, I am a Christ follower and I go to church. You want to come to church? Uh, but it never works that way. I just feel like we put a lot of pressure and responsibility on someone who does not know Christ. And to figure it out when we are supposed to be making that clear to others by not just posting, but like, you know, as living letters, you know, that's really clear so that the world Mm -hmm. doesn't just think that God is a snicker bar. You know what I mean? And I think that there is, uh, I guess, I guess, what is the right word to use? I think we're guilty as Christ followers at, of omission. And I talked about this last podcast too, but we omit so much out of mm. wanting to make it so presentable that actually it becomes a great divorce of people not really understanding what it is. Where is your hope? What, what is your mm. source? Oh, that's nice. You know what I mean? And I think when people are encouraged, we feel good about that, you know, even if it's not Christ, we go or we feel good and we're like, oh, good. They know that I'm not a bad person. So maybe this will make them come closer to Christ. And we have that conversation in our minds because I want to evangelize. So let me just do good by being good. But that never plays out either, especially with the enemy working to resist every opportunity for us stepping out mm-hmm. for other seeking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely step. feel the weight of what you're saying because, you know, I think I personally also feel as if that, you know, whatever I might say or whatever I do and trying to imply Jesus in a conversation and stuff like that, you know, you're right that it seems like it'll all work out and play out well in your head, but it's, really like i guess there is a lot of resistance to like putting jesus out there first and foremost right and i think dr sammy talked a little bit about this is that we do feel 
like some kind of pressure, like maybe a whole lot or maybe not a lot at all, a pressure to represent Christ in this way and like making it, you know, explicit and known about who Christ is in your life. But I guess like, you know, I think the tackling of fear and, you know, you know, making these adjustments and changes to our outlook about who Jesus is, you know, does kind of come with that wariness. And I was wondering, you know, because I also feel in my life that I am guilty of this too. And I'm glad that you brought it up because, you know, in our conversations as well, um, you know, this has come up in my life. And so I, I guess I just wanted to ask you in, uh, for the purposes of this podcast, like also like how can we like develop this courage and, you know, to walk out in faith, like real faith, not just like implied faith, but like real faith to this world to let the world know that Christ is the answer. Like, like we believe, but we don't really say. Um, and so I, I, you know, how, like, how do we do that? Yeah, I think that's a good question. You know, it's also a question of examination for every person. Cause I think some parts, and I think, you know, Joey, you, you and I have talked about this too. Like thing is there are parts where we're unaware by preference. You know, it's kind of like you close a lazy eye to something and ignorance right. is bliss and you're not responsible for it. You know, there's that aspect. It's like, oh, okay, because I don't want inconvenient truth right now. But I think, you know, a lot of times I when I listen to, even like a lot of millennials, like for example, right? Um, I'm not a millennial. I'm actually Gen X. Sam always makes fun of me that I'm born in the 70s. But, um, you know, I think a lot of times millennials and, you know, Gen X are guilty of this. Like every generation is. And it's part of what it means to be young and immature. But we're so concerned mm. about not being creepy that, again, we end up omitting Christ. Um, I think that's the first point I want to make. Like, you, I think yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's just all in our heads, you know? <laughs> so it's just food for thought. And then the second thing I wanted to say is um, this happens a lot because we live in a very social, um, what do you call it? Like, a, like when I was growing up, Gen X, I think also baby boomers, there was no internet really. It was like a new concept for them. So I think millennials and post millennials growing up in this era where you can be whoever you want as an edited version. I think what that does is it creates like compartmentalizations times hundred for people. You can be any character you want. You can, um, you know, you could kind of like, use filters and take out words and portray whoever you want to be, you know? And I think that a lot of times there, the compartmentalization also happens in real life where you are one person with one group, but you're another person with another group. So if the two groups met, they would not know who you truly really are. So in the context of, um, being a follower of Christ, group A friends who you feel more safe with, not you, but in general, like may know that you're an, you're an avid follower of Christ, but group B, because of your inactions, but also other explicit actions that 
are completely the opposite will be surprised if they found out that you were actually a Christ follower, you know, and without any opportunity of those two merging, I think millennials are that generation uh, is that generation where it could kind of just go on for a really long time, like into your thirties, into your forties. And I think I mentioned compartmentalization because I think that happens in the way that, um, in the same way, like how we divorce, you know, anything that's inconvenient of following Christ or difficult about learning to kind of um, live out the faith and not just internally for ourselves. Um, it ends up separating different parts, like, I don't know, in different contexts. And as a result, Christ get omitted. Christ who is supposed to converge all things so that he, he, his heart and hope is to make us whole as a whole, but in, but it ends up being fragmented into hundred, like, okay, I don't want to say hundred, but like, you know, various false selves always being eluded, um, and separated by fear of, I guess, affecting them. So that the world, if the world, there is a fear, I think there's an incessant fear of, I think it's strong in millennials to not mm. show the world who I truly am. Fully. And it, you know, to voice things about certain things might be a lot easier. But when it comes to saying, I am a Christ follower, you know, in the name of Jesus, um, you know, by Christ, I was saved. Like those things never end up converging. I think, I think that is a big, it totally makes sense. I feel make like sense you really just how I'm describing it. Because it. it definitely describes the way I like conduct myself. Because like, I think one of the biggest realizations I had from uh, our conversations and our continuing conversation is that like, I feel like I have a lot of caricatures but not necessarily like a whole picture or a mm. whole image of who I really am. It's it's like selectively putting out there parts of you to, or parts of me, I think in my experience to like fit into groups. Um, and like, you know, it's just like an easy way to like be part, be a part, like be parts of a group, uh, be a part of different groups, but not, let yourself be truly known because of like differences or you know judgment and things like that mm -hmm. and i think also this generation has a huge huge like fear of um social anxiety right it's a it's an issue right social anxiety is so prevalent because of all these divisions and I guess and that I would even say that the fear mm. that is felt is not even realistic actually you know I think that that's the thing that's the trick like people think I'm doing a good job of keeping it together like this but actually mm. it's falling apart you know it, it's not that you're not just doing um, good to and for the world because of these compartmentalizations of different false selves but it's actually you're not doing yourself the favor of being free in christ 
the freedom that Christ has given us, there's no freedom, but you're enslaved. Like, you know, it's so easy to be enslaved by that social pressure and fear. But I feel like the enemy has a huge um, hold on on that. And I think also, I think the fear is that, oh, well, yeah, that's how I am. I am afraid to really fully be myself. I think I have to understand myself better. I have, I think there's this, um, and it's important to understand self and character traits and all of that. And as the world is not static, it's changing all the time. And to know how I feel about this, how I feel about that. But I think that's why Christ is an anchor, like, because it's such a, I don't know, what is the word? It's such a floating, um, divided, you know, compartmentalized world, you know, in so many dimensions. And the thought life and the, you know, the spiritual schemes are also um, very, you know, I think the enemy has a way of scattering people's focus. And I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think that's why we have to be clear about who our anger is for any change, any restoration the anchor for our hope, anchor for our salvation, and anchor for change mm. through us is Christ. And, um, you know, and I think that counterintuitively, if people could submit to the anchor and allow Christ to be the anchor of salvation for the hope in um in in our hearts right if we do that if that action can be taken i actually believe that all the things that we try to keep together um in our thought life in the confusion world and trying to you know converge things all on our own you know one two three and one they will all know this is who i am like they will eventually know who i am like all this um a social anxiety that looms the mind that we ruminate in. I think honestly, it will be clarified in many ways if we make clear who our anchor and acknowledge who our hope is. You know, not that we have an anchor, but who the name of that anchor, that his name is Jesus Christ to ourselves and to others. It just sounds so simple. It's like, oh, I could almost hear the enemy snickering at that, like, you know, in fear and snickering at that, saying, oh, come on, that's so simple. Like, of course, you know, it's like a religious spirit. Like, mm. that's so obvious. You should be doing bigger things, you know, like bigger fish. Really? That's your that's your take on this. But I believe that the enemy throws these lies, which often feel like our own thoughts, because. He knows that if we believe that lie, we will once again step back and omit, step back and not act, and step back and never have a beginning of stepping out in faith mm. in, in the name of Jesus. Because I believe that behind that lie is the spirit of fear who is, who is like, you know those movies, those kids' movies, like the mm. shadow seems so big, overpowering you. And you realize it was like a little, little, little small thing, but the shadow was bigger. But spirit of fear, you know, every demon has a character of their own. And spirit of fear has a way of puffing things up out of fear and uh, making themselves look bigger out of fear. I mean, you see this in deliverance sessions, like the spirit of fear is not the most um, powerful spirit, but it is actually a scary cat. 
like an entity, but it will lie so that you believe the illusion of the fear that you have in your life. But I believe that if we become clear of who our anchor is and acknowledge the anchor, that his name is Jesus Christ, not God, not some nice clouds or figure in the sky, but that his name is Jesus Christ um, and the work that he has done in our place, um, I think that that spirit of fear will begin to dis, uh, diminish, mm. will be squashed, you know? I believe that. But I, I do believe that there is a sense of warfare that way that the enemy plays. And if we, if we don't become aware of it and overcome it, in the name of Jesus, yeah. we will always live in that shadow. And just like you mentioned before, we'll miss every opportunity. Mm. Forget one. We'll miss every opportunity if we don't acknowledge where our hope comes yeah. from. Yeah, I'm just thinking on what you're saying, and it's it's almost it's really it's simple, I think, um, as you were describing, but it's really profound also because it's like. I, I'm sort of seeing like how all these split pieces in my own life and like, I, I guess as a millennial and like these like split, um, areas also need healing. Like it's, it's, it's like the healing within so that you can provide the healing outside yeah. or like towards, um, something beyond you. Because, you know, I guess that's like part of the restoration and recreation process is that, you know, it starts with the small ways in which you can make the adjustments in your life to become whole again so that you can be a part in making other things whole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's all starting to click, I think, because, you know, I think one of the things that I felt like I've had trouble with for years and it was brought up to me a long time ago was that, um, you know, that my life was divorced and I didn't really understand what that meant. You know, I just thought it was like, I guess I, I had it. I had an idea of what it meant, but I guess I didn't know exactly what it looked like or what it would mean. Like it, it, it really is the process of healing and bringing the pieces of your life together to be made whole again. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's what's so lovely about God and His character is that He's so gracious that when He fills us with the Spirit, when He filled us the disciples with the Spirit, the one of the character traits that that literally was exerted by the power of God, was literally inserted, mm. I would say, by the power of God, was boldness. <laughs> like, um, they went from timidity and discouragement to boldness to declare the name of Jesus to the most, um, I, I, most, um, I guess, assumed mm. A group of critics, you know, it's like the greatest path of resistance, but boldness would come out. And as a result, they would be able to make very clear who Jesus Christ was instead of doing the opposite, you know, of making it very unclear who Jesus Christ is, you know, and our goal is that to step in. So step out in faith in Jesus Christ, because he will do the work. We're just vessels. He will do the work through us, broken as we are. But mm. we have to step out and call in the name of Jesus. We have to step out and trust in the name of Jesus. 
And the Bible says that those who put their shame, uh, those who put their trust in in the Lord will never be put to shame. And God is alive, and He is very true mm. to what He promises and what He declares. I think, and that's the other thing. Like I think, oftentimes we live our lives like it doesn't matter. Like, oh yeah, God is with us. He's some days he might feel like this nice fluff fee pillow and you know essential oil that makes us feel healing and he can feel like those things and a lot of times i think we don't even realize that um he is the living god that walks with us he's the living god who sent his son two thousand years ago to this broken world because he had a plan to save the world, to bring hope into a hopeless world, to bring light into a dark world. And even further that those who are saved by that power of Christ and the work of Christ would also become a light, just like the stars, you know, um, in Philippians, that's what Paul says, just like the stars in the sky. You know that it would sh it would shine, it would shine the light of Christ, and it would really it means that it would make clear. It doesn't mean that it would make a world a better place, like because it's so nice and beautiful and bright, but it means light in this light and star and um, what it really means is salt. It means that it's going to make clear who Jesus Christ is in this world that is unclear of Christ is, who Christ is. Like salt is so precious because it brings out the delicious flavor of things that cannot be brought out in its true greatness. But salt does that. Salt is supposed to bring out the image of God and who Christ is, like make clear the very flavor and the very person of Jesus Christ. Light and darkness is supposed to make clear who Jesus Christ is, not make unclear. But I just think that there is a divorcing of light, salt, and we just kind of make it, you know, and I think we just need to kind of step in and acknowledge that we can do better. You know, like, you know, I know we say that in activism, but like we can do better. We can step in and represent Christ so that it's mm. clear who we're representing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel very, very passionate. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, what good is it if we don't make clear who Christ is? <laughs> but I just think that it's easy right. to do the half of a job because of fear. I think God is saying, hey, let's do this. You know, step up and step out and declare who I am. And make clear who I am so that people know who the hope is. It's not just hope in the air, hope in the heart, hope in the goodness of those who believe. No, hope has a name. Hope is Jesus Christ. Hope comes from Christ because he is the creator of the world who had a salvation plan. And he is redeeming the world, you know, by letting people know who he is restoring people vertically in relationship, people who did not have a relationship with God through Christ. And he's doing that through his communities. And we need to, I think, join that, you know, join the movement of what Christ is doing, what he's up to. And it's always the same, making clear 
who Christ is. In every social unrest, make clear who Christ is. In every circumstance, you know, personal, external, in every way. So <laughs> I mean, it couldn't be clear. Is that clear? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, at this point, I think it's, uh, you know, for maybe for some of it, I mean, it's clear to me what I need to do and what I want to do. And I guess it's kind of like, um, if I could ask you for our listeners as well, like, what is it that we can start with? Like, how can we even begin to make these declarations? And like, what does that really look like? And I, I know for me, it seems scary or it seems so out of the comfort zone or like so different from the way that uh, I might usually do life. But, you know, I guess knowing that Christ is the center of our lives, Christ is our anchor and Christ is the answer. Uh, it was it is the answer for us and for the world. Like, where can we begin to make these declarations? What could what what could that really look like for us? Um, I don't know why, but like, I remember two weeks ago, you asked me the same question. And I think you've been asking me like when we, before we're about to close up, you asked me, you know, what is something that we could take away from all of this, right? Basically, that's what you asked me. I remember two weeks ago, very clearly in my heart, I, and, um, what I said, mm -hmm. I, I believe was be courageous, right? Needs to have full heart and be courageous about the matters at hand and about your relationship with Christ. But I think this is, I guess, the phase two of it is, I would say, even explicitly and more um, detailed, or I, I guess that's the best way I could explain it in a moment. I would ask the Holy Spirit to examine, if you're a believer and you're listening, I would ask, begin to ask the hard question, to the Spirit for yourself. Holy Spirit, where are the places where I kind of close my eyes in ignorance of the, pl and I'm not talking about social concerns right now. I'm talking about where are the places where I literally out of need to be pleasant or need to fill in the blank. Where are the places where I omit your name and begin to make a list of those things and allow the Holy Spirit to show you those places. Where are the places where you omit? And the Holy Spirit will let you know. And as you write those things down, step two, I would say, taking the things that the Lord shows you where you have omitted the name of Jesus and actually declaring and acknowledging the name of Jesus into all those parts. And I would do it internally for yourself and repentance of um just i guess being freed of the guilt of even just recognizing that but go as far as and i think this would be the true repentance of actually doing something and including christ the name of jesus christ and including the name of jesus in all those areas mm -hmm. and really turning that light on when the holy spirit lets us know it's not just in the knowing of our own hearts so that we know that we've sinned or we've you know fallen short and turned to him to be restored to him but it is always so that the light could shine really bright to expose first but also to really shine beyond the room that you're in 
so that it makes clear who Jesus Christ is. You know, so I think I would do those two things. Begin to ask, where are the places I have omitted you, Jesus Christ? And admittedly, uh, ad admitting to the intentionality of that because of fear. Um, and the fear of man and, you know, social, um, whatever, humiliation. Irrational or rational. And two, where, where God showed you, literally take the step of not just realizing, but declaring and um, mm -hmm. finishing the sentence with who your hope is in that every way and mention the name of Jesus. And I think the light will become brighter in that sense. Yeah, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts, you know, and I think obviously it's very clear to me and there's not much more to really think about, you know, but I think it's like a very serious matter also. And that's why there's definitely a way to it because I think for me, I want to live my life, you know, according to the gospel in the sense that I want to be able to share with the world and share with my friends and people that the gospel is the way, the truth and the life that Jesus is, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and I know I want to yeah. evoke that, and I know I want to bring that out of me. Um, and given that the sermon and what's going on uh, in our hearts and with what the Holy Spirit is doing, I know that this is the opportunity for us to really claim that and really take ownership of that, not just in feeling, but in action. And I think now is a really perfect time to act and really, you know, I, and I, I want to be made whole so that I could also play a part in what God is doing in this world. Um, and I just hope I don't forget that because I think you're right because fear does get in the way, resistance, mm -hmm. warfare does get in the way. And sometimes it's so easy to miss that these things are like roadblocks to what God is doing in our lives. Um, and I'm just very thankful. I'm just, you know, you know, from examining my own life and just really thinking about this matter for myself, you know, I think it speaks very deeply to me to a way I can't refute it any longer and nor, nor can I shy away from it any longer. And so I, I hope, and I, I also pray for myself and for others that this, this feeling, this tension would not go away. You know, like I, I want to, you know, always be able to hold on to the truth and in my, and to my identity in Christ. And I know this isn't like a very, you know, fully um, fleshed out or processed feeling, but, you know, I, I, I just want my life to agree with the things that you are saying and with what God is doing in our lives. Today. I think we all can play a very important role in restoring the beauty um as god intended you know i would say this i you said something like um i want to be made whole so that i could be a light or something like that but scripturally though i think it's very counterintuitive to our perfectionism but god says that scripture teaches us that mm. in our weakness god's power is made perfect and he means it and our, his grace is sufficient for us. 
for his power is made perfect in our weakness. And this is what Paul continues to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Therefore, because, okay, so because Christ, God's grace is sufficient. And because my weak, God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Those are his words, mm. and that's the truth. And that's why we are broken vessels. You know, God wants to use us, not because we're perfect, yeah. but because we're willing and because we are not ashamed of him, you know? And so. Yeah, I'm gonna have to remember that you're right. Technically, does, uh, does speak to the perfectionism <laughs> aspect. Yeah, I think oh, it's a temptation to wait until things are good, but actually, even when things are not perfect, great. Let's in that moment examine and let's, in the name of Jesus, walk and you know become and you know step out and step into things in the name of Jesus and boast in him. And I think that is really the walk of the gospel. Only Jesus is perfect <laughs> that walked this earth. Mm. But he vouches for us. <laughs> I, I like how we were talking about small changes and stuff, but you know, the, the weight of this really feels like a lot more than small, but, um, but I know it's because it matters. And, you know, I think God knows that we yeah. matter to him and we do matter to him. And so it's it's important that we take this step. And, I, you know, I hope that our listeners and our community can be encouraged to want to do the same, yeah. to, you know, walk and declare in faith the name of Christ. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we turn to you. We turn to you, Lord, and Lord, we want to thank you, God, for your graciousness of revealing yourself to us, even in our blindness, God. Lord, we, we know that while we're still sinners, that you died for the ungodly, and we thank you for your grace. And we thank you, Lord, that Jesus Christ that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, a lot of times we live in this life kind of unaware of that, but in this moment, in the name of Jesus, we open our eyes, in the name of Jesus, we turn to you, in the name of Jesus, we declare your presence and your work in around us and in us, Lord. And we wanna thank you, God, that you are more real than all the um, things in the different dimensions of our minds and of our hearts, God, and even the lies of the enemy that really, Lord, there's a lie that always says, you know, that doesn't really matter. He has a way of diminishing things and also has a way of saying, you know, what you do really doesn't matter. Why did you say all that? You know, there's a voice of accusation that comes in our insecurity and our brokenness, God. And Lord, we, that's why we need the anchor of Christ, that you are our hope. We are only hopeful to the world because you are the one 
who has done all the work so that we can turn to you and that when we abide in you, that you bring hope to the hopeless, that your power exerted, or when Jesus was risen from the dead, that same power works through the community of God to restore and to open hearts and eyes to know this hope that is found in Jesus Christ. So we want to acknowledge that, Lord. And sometimes, Lord, our feelings don't always line up with the truth of what we declare. And sometimes it's because of fear and because there's resistance. But that's why I think it's so important, Lord, that you reminded us that hope is not just a feeling, but it is our anchor, that you are this hope, that anchors us, Lord. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to you, and we want to come against these lies for um, all the listeners that might be struggling with this lie of timidity and of fear of man that is irrational but also looms in many ways that has power because of the shadow that it brings and that it casts over hearts and minds to distort reality of Christ. And we want to bind and push back that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ. And we want to pray, Lord, that we would rise up in faith. And as Paul says, that we will boast all the more in weakness for when we are weak, we are strong and that your power is made perfect in our weakness for your grace Lord, for Jesus Christ. You are sufficient for us and may that nourish us more than the food and the drink that we take in each day, Lord. May that be the substance of, of substantiality that gets us up when the world seems confusing, that it would make us rise up to not only just live out our day for ourselves, but also to share it because it is true, because you are alive and working. And you want so many more to find this hope in you that liberates or that heals. So we pray, Father, for, for all these things, Lord, that you're already doing, that we would join you, God that our ears and our eyes would be open to the reality of who you are and what you're doing in our midst, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, and um, we bless you, Lord, and we bless all the people Amen. Um, listening as thank well. Thank you so much for this conversation, Pastor Lydia. It's, uh, it's self-reflective and actually very action-oriented, and so I, I pray that this would resonate and convict all of us to really um, examine and do what Christ has called us to do. Thank you again. Amen. And uh, That's thank you for listening, well. everybody. We'll see you all oh, next thanks, week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Here I stand forever in your mighty hand living with your Yours, surrender.
Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and a fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. See you next week. Hey 180, Admin here. I just want to wish a happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And speaking of which, I want to tune in with a very special guest who has a very special announcement. So let's give him a ring. Hey! Yo. What's up? How's it going? Good. Hey, uh, what, what's that What's that little thing on your shoulder over there? Oh, this? <laughs> is, that your, uh, is that your new roommate? <laughs> it's our new roommate. We found her on Craigslist. Great. She, she doesn't really ask for much. Only when she's hungry, she'll ask for food. <laughs> okay, let's introduce to the world. There she is. Uh, Hi, this is Eliana Karis Kim. She was born on June 12th, Friday. She's a happy, happy girl, ready to, ready to take on this world. Did she, did she come with the bow? She <laughs> 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 wanted to figure out how to put this on. <laughs> I think something like that. How, how have you guys been doing? Uh, you know, it's definitely not the same. Yeah. Definitely not the same. She, she takes yeah, over. Yeah, a little, little different, a little different. She takes over our time, our space. Um, yeah, it's not the same, but you know what? It's it's worth every minute. So we're just so grateful for the whole process and you know her yeah. her her arrival here in planet Earth. Look at her. Hi, Amazing. Ellie. Look at you, Ellie. Um, yeah, we're just we're just so grateful. Michelle is resting right now, but um, we're 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 very grateful for the 180 prayer team. You know, Doctor Sam Pestalidia is just checking in, and just our community encouraging us, uh, laughing with us. Yeah, we're just so excited for her to meet all the aunts and uncles at 180. Michelle is such a champ. By the way, I gotta say to all the mothers out there, it's like a whole new revelation of a whole nother layer. Respect. Dads? What do dads do, man? Right? That's all yeah. the moms. Yeah, dads? Moms are true heroes. Yeah, see, Eliana agrees with you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I just want to encourage our church to really use um, the prayer team as a resource because even for the birth of Theo, it was so huge. And, you know, we're all going through a lot of changes and kind of crazy times right now. So definitely. Don't, don't, don't skip out on that. If you need prayer, ask for it. So yeah, I, I just wanted to wish you your very first Happy Father's Day. I know, that's... <laughs> that's wild, but thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. It, it's very powerful. All right, she's like, I'm done with this conversation. Can you go now? <laughs> yeah, so from everyone at 180, congratulations, Henry and Michelle. And um, yeah, we wish you guys the best. And uh, we'll, we'll check in soon. Thank you. Congratulations, guys. Love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, Ellie. All right, so congratulations again to Michelle and Henry and to Eliana. Welcome to the world. And uh, just a quick message to the 180 Children's Ministry. When we meet up again, and we will meet up again, it's gonna be a whole new ball game for you guys. So hopefully there's a there's a brand new room. We got some new activities planned because there's a whole lot of kids coming. All right, everybody, have a great week. Let's turn it over to Min Young for announcements. Hi everyone, 
my name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1AU Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1AU Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. If you're a visitor joining us today, welcome. If you feel blessed by their service and you feel led to give, you can do so in the payment methods that I mentioned before. Next up is our prayer text hotline. So this is a prayer resource we want to emphasize, especially right now during this pandemic. If there's anything you'd like prayer for, whether it's for you or for someone you care about, there's a team of people that would love to pray for you and with you and do so confidentially as well. So to submit a prayer request, you can text 5397PRAYER or you can send an email to prayer at 180church.tv. And if there's been a prayer that God has answered in your life, we really encourage you to share that as well so that the team can celebrate with you. Our next announcement is about small groups. And even though we're socially distancing from one another, it's still so important for us to continue to meet so that we can spur one another on, not just in faith in Christ, but spur one another on and encourage each other through the difficulties and the trials that are going on in life, whether they're big or small, pandemic or otherwise. It's always important to have community around us to help us through. And that's one of the great things about small groups, so that we can grow in faith and grow together to who Christ is calling us to be and to overcome the challenges that are before us. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have a group that would be great for you. And right now, all of our groups are meeting online. So no matter where you are in the city or even in the country, we have a group that would be perfect for you. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30, our young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30, and our college group, the 180 Fellowship, meets on Fridays at 7.30. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. So finally, we want to invite you to all our social media outlets. Clearly, we are social media savvy from all the lists that you see here, from Facebook to YouTube to podcasts. And I just want to encourage you guys to actually follow along because there's so much rich resources that could actually bless you. From insightful articles uh, through Dr. Sammy that he has written, um, especially from Christianity Today, uh, to insightful, thoughtful discussions on the podcast with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. And last but not least, if you'd like to learn more about our church and want to sign up for our weekly emails, you can come visit us at oneechurch.tv. That's it for all of our announcements. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you all next week. Bye.